Hello once again and welcome to Equipping Kingdom Kids. This is a podcast for both spirit-filled parents and children's ministry leaders who are interested in raising a generation of boys and girls to walk on the supernatural power of God. My name is Becky Fisher and I'm going to be your host today. And this is episode number 24, Is the Age of Accountability a Real Thing? Is the age of accountability really a, a thing? By that I mean, does it exist in scripture? Now a related question is, do babies and young children go to heaven when they die? There are three predominant views in Christianity on this, which I'm going to share in this session. Then at the end, I will tell you what my opinion is. So please keep listening. What is the age of accountability? In Christian circles, it's a belief that a child is not responsible for his sins until he gets older. It's a mystical age when a child finally knows right from wrong and can make willful decisions to sin or not to sin. It's the belief that up to this time, they can die and go to heaven without ever having a salvation experience because they aren't responsible yet for their sins. The age of accountability frequently is taught to be 12 years old. This is an important question because people want to know things like, what about babies that are miscarried? What about babies that are aborted? And and what about small children? Would a loving God really send them to hell? It goes even further into topics like this about, about those who are mentally on the level of an infant or a young child. It really is a haunting question. Is this something that's bothered you? If it has, type yes down in the comments below and tell me why. There are three basic beliefs among Christians about the age of accountability. Basically they are that all children who die in infancy are saved and automatically go to heaven. The second is the children of believers are saved, but we're not so sure about the others. And we can have no assurance either way. And a variation of number two is that some believe that unbaptized infants are not saved, while baptized infants might be. We'll look at all of these beliefs in our time together. People often argue that babies can't sin and small children don't know what they're doing from a sinful standpoint. So how can they be considered sinners deserving of spiritual death? But we need to understand the cover to cover biblical plan of salvation in order to get our answer. The Bible teaches that because of Adam, we are all born with a sin nature. It's not the individual acts of sin that separate us from God. It's the sin nature that needs to be forgiven and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Paul taught sin came into the world because of what one man, Adam, did. And with his sin came death. Does it say sin came into the world because of what one man did? And with sin came death except in the case of babies and small children? It doesn't say that. According to this, there's no exception to the rule. King David declared he was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity in his mother's womb. Well, this would imply that the age of accountability would be at conception. David further declared that the wicked go astray morally right from birth. He said, these wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth they have lied and gone their own way. Proverbs tells us that even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure, and whether it's right. Think about the Old Testament story of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
God was challenged by Abraham to save those cities if there were at least 10 righteous people living there, right? If we believe that children and babies are innocent of sin, he could have saved Sodom and Gomorrah because surely there were more than 10 innocent babies and toddlers living there. But he didn't. Numbers and Psalms seems to indicate that people are accountable even for sins of ignorance or things they didn't realize they were doing wrong. It's kind of like our laws today that say ignorance of the law is no excuse. You can be punished anyway. In fact, throughout the Old Testament before Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, babies and children were destroyed right along with their parents when God's judgment fell on cities and nations. And finally is the story in Matthew 18 about the Good Shepherd, his sheep, and the little lamb that went astray. In this story, Jesus makes it very clear that he is talking about children and that they can perish when he talks about leaving the 99 sheep and going after the one. Jesus clearly states that his Father in heaven is not willing that one of these little ones can perish, so we must rescue them at all costs. That is, we must share the gospel with them. The word perish here means to suffer complete ruin or destruction. The implication in this story for the Christian is that perish means going to hell. The logical conclusion is if a child can perish, then they can be saved. And if they can perish, then apparently they're responsible either for their sins of childhood or for their sin nature. Perhaps this is one more of the hideous reasons why Satan pushes abortion so hard. These are not very encouraging scriptures in the light of our discussion, but hang in there because there's more to say and we do want to leave you with some hope. Now if you're getting anything out of this so far, please click the like button below and share your thoughts in the comments section. Also share this message with your friends. Now nobody knows for sure where the age of 12 was decided on for the age of accountability. Some have suggested that it might have something to do with the age when Jewish children went through their passage to adulthood at the time of their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. In Jewish culture, at age 13, a boy or girl becomes a legal adult at this age and is then legally responsible for their misdoings. Before the child reaches the bar mitzvah age, parents hold the legal responsibility for their child's actions, just as in the case in most countries. Traditionally, at the ceremony, the father of the bar mitzvah gives thanks to God that he will no longer be punished for the child's sins. But this is not based on scripture. Rather, it comes from the Jewish Talmud and the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah. And the reference is for legal punishment, not eternal punishment for one's sins. So then what about baby baptism? Can infant baptism secure the salvation of babies? Well, let's explore this. Some have suggested the age of accountability was actually linked to the origins of baby baptisms, which started in about the third century after Christ. Because so many children died in infancy or childhood in antiquity, the baptism of infants was invented. It was thought that if the baby died not having an intelligent capacity to acknowledge his sins and thus a savior, that baptizing them was equivalent to their salvation. This came from the false premise that baptism is necessary for salvation. But this is not verified in scripture regardless of what some denominations may say. And if doctrines are not based in scripture, they're the opinion of man 
and they aren't valid as biblical doctrine. Water baptism is extremely important to our walk with God. It's an act of obedience to His Word. It's meant as an act for us to identify with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. But it does not secure our salvation according to Scripture. Only confessing Christ as Lord and believing in your heart that He was raised from the dead saves us from our sins. So infant baptism only works if you believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. But we're looking at what the Bible says on this topic, as that's the only standard we can accept for our beliefs. Now there is one hopeful scripture that's worth sharing. In 2 Samuel, we read about the story of David where he committed adultery with Bathsheba, resulting in pregnancy. The prophet Nathan was sent by the Lord to inform David that because of his sin, the Lord would take the child in death. David responded to this by grieving and praying for the child. But once the baby was gone, David's mourning ended. David's servants were really surprised to hear this. They said to King David, well, what is this? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child died, you got up and you ate food. Here was David's response. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? Maybe the Lord will be gracious to me that the child might live. But now he's died. So why should I fast? Can I bring him back to me again? Then he said something interesting. I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. In other words, David seemed to be saying that he believed he was going to see his baby son again someday, which we assume meant in heaven. But where did he get this idea? It's not represented anywhere in the Old Testament besides this one story. Was it hopeful thinking on David's part? Or did he have a private word from the Lord? I guess we'll never know. And because this is the only scripture that seems to imply this, it's a subject about which we cannot be adamant or dogmatic. Now I've heard many stories about people who have gone to heaven and come back and told us about their experience and many of them say they saw babies there. If I remember right, that amazing story about the little boy Colton Burpo written in the book Heaven is for Real, I think he said he saw other children and babies in heaven. It's been a long time since I've read that book. How they got there based on scripture? I don't know and they don't explain it in the book. If we believe that all doctrine and beliefs for Christians have to be confirmed in Scripture and not based on individual experience apart from God's Word, then I don't know any Scripture that says innocent babies are going to heaven. I also have another couple fascinating books. One is called Six Big Big Angels and Big Angels and Flaming Horses. It's a true story about a six-year-old girl who started taking trips to heaven when she was only four years old. She would talk incessantly to her grandmother about the aborted babies that she met there. She was so insistent that they were real that she made her grandmother, who homeschooled her, set up extra chairs and tables in their homeschool classroom so those invisible children could join them. She insisted that they be given names because somehow she understood their earthly parents had not done so and she spoke of their personalities, what they looked like, and many other characteristics. Her parents had never talked to her about aborted babies, but she understood clearly why they were in heaven. Now these were not invisible playmates that we might associate with the occult. 
This was a solid, spirit-filled Christian family, well-grounded in the Word. They were well-respected among many famous preachers that I know and some that you would know. So I trust that they were telling the truth according to their experience. And yet, we have no scriptural basis to stand on. So we just can't make a doctrine out of it. None of us can make a doctrine out of our own personal experiences. On the flip side of this, which is kind of encouraging, I have never heard a testimony of somebody who went to hell and came back and said that they saw babies or small children there. Now again, that's a human experience apart from scripture, but it is hopeful. One of the biggest issues I have with the whole thing about the age of accountability is that it has been used as an excuse not to share the gospel with children and not to lead them to salvation until they become teenagers or older. It has actually kept hundreds of thousands of kids who wanted to get saved away from the gospel by well-meaning parents and preachers who thought they were too young to understand what they were doing. In fact, I'm sure you heard of the well-known ministry, Child Evangelism Fellowship. It was started by a man by the name of Jesse Overholzer because when he was a little boy, he wanted to get saved and his mother would not let him. She just kept saying, you're too young, you can't understand what's happening. But he did understand and he wanted it badly. But in short, he was either in his late teens or early adult years, I can't remember which, before he heard the message of salvation again. He quickly received Christ as his Savior, and he went on to go to seminary, where he read that the great prince of preachers you might have heard of, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who said that children could be saved as young as five years old. And a fire went off inside of Jesse. With this new knowledge, he started CEF and said he never wanted another child to be denied salvation based on the faulty belief system that they were too young. CEF is now the largest children's ministry in the world. They are in over 50 nations and their primary mission has been to take salvation to the children. So where do we go from here? As we look at the kind and loving, merciful nature of our Father God, it just seems extremely inconsistent with His character that He would send these precious, innocent children to hell. As I've researched what many pastors and theologians have said, it seems they all agree on two things. Number one, there's basically no biblical age of accountability. And number two, and this is the one I like, we can trust the judge of all the earth to do what's right. Many of them do choose to believe that children automatically go to heaven when they die, but none of them backs it up with scripture. In Genesis, we read, far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what's right? There's one thing we know, and that is this side of heaven we all see through a glass darkly. That's a scripture that comes from 1 Corinthians. In modern terminology it says, Now we see a dim reflection, as if we were looking into a mirror. But then we will see clearly. Now I only know in part, but then I will know fully as God has known me. After much study and reflection, I find myself simply shaking my head and realizing I simply do not know. 
While I would like to believe that all children are immediately ushered into heaven, I simply cannot find a scripture to support the idea that God is just simply going to categorically overlook original sin in all children. So this leaves me in the group believing that God knows best and that he's fair and he's a righteous judge. And in his wisdom, he has chosen not to reveal what happens to children who die in infancy. So it's best not to speculate, but instead take confidence in what we do know, that he's a just God. He's a loving and gracious God, and he will do what's right. We're assured of this over and over again in scripture. So here's what I do know. God absolutely adores babies and little children. And when given the chance, they love him back. It's even possible for babies and toddlers to worship and praise God spontaneously. And there is scriptural backing for this. The question is, can we as parents and grandparents do anything to foster such sensitivity to the presence of God in our infants? If you want to know the answer, check out this video I did a few months ago about babies worshiping God. I have included several dozen photos and video clips of babies and toddlers spontaneously worshiping and praising in this video. And I gotta tell you that when I see them that sensitive to the presence of God, somehow I believe they can receive salvation in a way that we don't understand. How can a child be that sensitive to his presence and not in his innocent heart acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that God is King? Take it for what it's worth. Again, no scriptural backing, but you can see for yourself these children are truly interacting with God himself. Now for no other reason, that makes this video a must watch. So click on this image here and see it next. To see a video version of this podcast, go to youtube.com slash kidsinministry. To take advantage of any offers mentioned, please email us at kidsinministry at yahoo.com and mention the number and the name of this podcast.